Let's go. You are listening to Dollars and Sensibility, the podcast that explores the numbers, concepts, and behaviors that shape your financial life. Hosts, business partners, and friends, Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are financial advisors in Hollywood, California, that for a combined 35 years have helped thousands of individuals and businesses better their financial futures. Here, they want to open these discussions to you, the listener, share the many things they have learned, and of course, how to be sensible about your dollars. Greetings and welcome back to another groovy fun time episode of Dollars and Sensibilities. So we're bringing back the intro from the first few episodes back in uh, the early 90s. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who has a mug of nails instead of coffee in the morning, my co-host and longtime amigo, <laughs> Mr. Andrew Marks. I don't Andrew, even know what doing? that means, a cup of nails. Is that, is that a Chuck <laughs> Norris <laughs> reference? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Don't you remember? That's how I was introducing you, like the first yeah. few episodes. And then I ran out of like Chuck Norris, Isms. Andrew Martz, the similarities. Anyway. All right. Welcome back, folks. This one is going to be, it's it's a fun one today. Uh, it's going to give you some peace and ease in your life, right? So we're, we're, we're financial podcasters, but therapists at the same time. So it's not going to be all self-help and psychology, but a lot of the thoughts that we have in our everyday life follow those same thought patterns that we use in investing. So the point here, as always, uh, it's how you think about your investments has a lot to do with the actions you take. If you ain't thinking about them right, you ain't acting on them right. So <laughs> let's start with the preface that here. <laughs> You'll what see what where is I that put, old saying? Like yeah. words leads to thoughts, thoughts to you know actions, actions to beliefs or something like that? I mean, isn't there like a pattern of, of that? So it's like, you're, I always lived on the premise that like your words form your world. So the self-talk or what you communicate to others, right? Whether you believe in like manifesting your reality and things like that. I, I don't know if I'm, you know, in that tribe, but there is something too about what you put in, right? Your ears and what you're, what you're speaking, you know, is going to help dictate the ultimate actions you take, which then actually do manifest your reality. So maybe, maybe I do believe in it. Uh, but I think that's what we're kind of talking about here today, right? Like the words you use and the patterns you, you use to make decisions in all areas of your life are ultimately going to be aligned, right? They're going to have some similarities to the financial decisions you're making. And gosh, do we see it in investing all the time? Absolutely. You know, even, even the choice of vocabulary, I used the word ain't in the last sentence twice, right? You'll see why in a second. So a few weeks ago, here's the preface. A few weeks ago, I went to a live talk. Andrew, have you ever heard of this thing? Uh, yes, they are. Um, yeah, they're like the TED Talks with like featured speakers and interviews and yada, yada, like little panel discussions. Very Hollywood of you, actors and philanthropists. Yes. 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 So, yeah, I originally discovered this during the pandemic. They had live talks. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, I think, was one. Uh, Admiral McRaven, uh, you know, authors, motivational speakers. So this one, I, I went to my first one in person. Mm -hmm. I went to a live talk live, right? Not on Zoom. This one was with Mr. Matthew McConaughey. So Classic. We all know him from the movies. Oh, my God. Yeah, look. Some of you might be fans, like I am, of the, that commencement speech he gave at the University of Texas in 2015. It's a classic. Uh, if you don't want to watch the whole thing, there's a 10-minute 
excerpt from it that says it all. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, so I went to this live talk in Los Angeles. I went with a friend. It was a quick hour, a little like a TED talk, but more <laughs> interview style. So he's promoting two books. One's called Green Lights. That's his biography. Separate episode. Today, I want to talk about the other one that's called Just Because. Mm-hmm. It's a children's book, folks, right? So I got there. I don't know. I was just, I'm going to go here. All right, all right, all right, right? Like, I want to, I want to, I want to be in the presence of the man and, and hang out and see what he has to say. 40 pages, this book is, with mostly pictures, right? Did he read Finishing it at the, uh, at, at the talk? No, he didn't read it to us, but uh, it's, you know. It's a children's, yeah. there's maybe 500 words in the whole book, right. but it, it took me 90 seconds to read it when I got home and, and, and he kind of, in going over the book and the concept of it, he kind of read half of it, right? Um, but this concept of just because can help us socially, it can help with our own self-talk and with our investments. So the best premise is, is uh, this example, and this is one that Matthew used just because I lied doesn't mean I'm a liar. And in the picture, there's two pictures actually on the page. One's a kid hitting a baseball through a window. And the second picture is that same kid's big brother kind of standing in front of him taking the heat for it, right? So just because I lied doesn't mean I'm a liar. Like you, you can see, it depends on the circumstance or right. the frequency with which you do something that makes you, and, and you could tell yourself, you could lie every day and tell yourself you're not a liar, right? There's, there's a lot to break down here. So just because I'm winning, uh, just because I keep winning doesn't mean I'm a cheater. Kid in the picture is studying his ass off, right? <laughs> I love that. So I thought back to a bunch of different examples in my life. When you, you take that extra step of thought with this, you realize what others label you as can have a profound effect on how you perceive yourself and therefore your decisions. Remember back in the day, someone asking me if I was a surfer, and there was a time, close to that point in time, I was surfing three times a week, but that wasn't the time period. Now, what do I say? Do I feel like one? If I go into the water tomorrow, would I pick up where I left off? And, and I can't remember who the person was, but they were adamant that if I hadn't been in a wetsuit in months, uh, you're not a surfer, right? They're putting that on me. Right. right? Like, and, and asking me the question, like, First of all, who cares, right? Like, you want to you want to call yourself a you know a, 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 an Olympic track star, and just because you ran around the block, I, I, it's on you, right? But but we need to establish someone is about the most recent example, or or in the case of the liar, sometimes people assume the worst, right? So, you know, few examples. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like this idea that. As humans, there is this need to uh, identify as as something, and, and in today's society, we most often do that with things like our career labels, right? So, what position or title do I hold? Um, it becomes this like social status symbol. Um, you know, am I a surfer? I'm assuming you were living in Southern California at the time, right? Maybe in a beach community. And like that, that almost brings like a certain sort of social status within a certain social club, right? Like if you live in beach communities and like you're a surfer, like that means something. You're in a tribe, you're in a clique, uh, you belong. And this, I think, kind of taps into that like innate human spirit, like this this need and this desire to belong to something larger than ourselves. So 
you know, we, we see so many different examples of this in, in life, but <clears throat> that the labels that others put, put onto us, right, what you are, can sometimes supersede the beliefs we have about ourselves, which now come down to like this personal conviction of who am I, who am I defined by, uh, and you're right, like we talked about this in um, Money Scripts, right? And we talked about how do we f- form our belief system? Because that's what you're talking about. The, th- the events in our lives that lead us to form the beliefs that we have about ourselves and our place in the world and how the world is working around us. And it leads to all sorts of different types of decisions, how we make relational decisions, right? Who, who do I choose to engage with on with friendships? Who do I engage with on like uh, my significant other? How do I make choices about my career, my education, my views on family formation? You know, do I want to build a family? Do I want to have children? Do I not? And how do I go about that that process? All these different viewpoints. And ultimately, right, what we talk about all the time, and it's interconnected with all of this is how do we make decisions with our money? Having a clear understanding of who we are is the easiest way to make clear, decisive decisions about your money, and maybe better said, confident decisions with with our money and in, in, in investing. So that would be some thoughts I have on on that idea. Yeah, I, look, let's do a few examples. Let's jump in for the the investment examples, right? We want to we want to translate this to how you think about how you label yourself as an investor, how other people would label you, and what kind of effect that has. Number one. Just because the market went down today doesn't mean it's going to go down tomorrow. This is the number one, in my opinion, this is the number one faux pas of most investors. They think the market went down today. And we we, we talked about this in a previous episode about demon extrapolation, which is the, the concept that you think something was bad and it was bad yesterday and it's bad today the brain says it's going to be bad tomorrow. Number one faux pas of most investors. Yep. Yeah, and num- God. Well, I'm just going to say like that for a second. Well, it's just like like a, a negative bias, right? Like when things get really bad, whether it's on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, or you have a bad year, th- there's this idea that like whatever has happened will continue to happen. And that that demon extrapolation or that negative bias is like, I'm only thinking about the the bad things that that could happen. I think this happens in in investing a lot that many, particularly, you know, novice investors or passive investors just have this negative outlook on on the markets because there are there is inevitably risk when we know the, the data speaks quite the opposite. On a calendar year basis, on a January 1st to December 31st, right, the S&P 500 as a metrics of the market is up 75% of the time. So, you know, look at the last 100 years, 75 or 76 of those years, the market is positive. So quite the opposite is actually true. More times you're going to win in the markets than, than you're going to lose. But you will have bad days, bad weeks, bad months, bad years. Um so I think that's yeah, that's where and that, that goes, a lot of people tend, goes back tend to the focus. old one, right? What goes up must go down, right? No, it doesn't. That's right. That that's not true. That's right. right. All right. So two of the next three, I, I think, are just fundamental misunderstandings of reality. <laughs> so next one, just because I had a twenty thousand dollar capital gain 
doesn't mean I have to pay $20,000 in taxes. Now, look, folks, it's just going to sound silly to some people, but I, I've heard it a lot, right? Hey, Bill, what's, that, what's, the, what's the capital gain if I sell that? Well, the capital gain is let's, we're just randomly picking $20,000. Yeah. Capital gains $20,000. Oh, my God. I don't want to pay $20,000 in taxes. Whoa, time out. $20,000 capital gain means that's the amount you pay taxes on. Again, we're, we're, we're delving into the, you know, the language, which is so important in the investing world for an understanding. Even though, and I, I've seen the look in people's eyes, Andrew, right? Like, even though I, I will tell people, hey, this, this, is a, this is a fact, right? It still feels like the entire capital gain is, taxable, is, is the tax that they're going to pay, not the amount they're going to pay tax on. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, I get the, the follow-up question is, how much do I have to pay in capital gains tax? Well, the maximum capital gains tax rate is 20%. You ask anybody on the news, they'll say 20%. 20 percent capital gains dig a little deeper you got to make 400 and what is it four hundred fifty nine thousand dollars a year in ordinary income to have that 20 percent capital gains bracket right so uh, another one folks right like just because you had a capital gain doesn't mean that you have to pay taxes in the same amount as that capital gain it's probably going to be much less 15 percent probably maybe even less yeah, it, it just depends, right? And that, that probably speaks to, you know, one, go back and, and listen to uh, the multiple episodes we have on, on taxes because it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of how taxes work, which is no fault of anybody, right? Taxes are terribly confusing, right? The IRS code is terribly confusing. But <clears throat> you're right, it, you know, the, the extrapolation of my gains equals my taxes is just is untrue. It's just not true. All right, let's fly through a, a few of it. Uh, this next one, another fundamental one. Just because I reinvest in my dividends doesn't mean they're not taxable. Again, we addressed this in a previous episode, but I think it's important to to remember when you reinvest your dividends, folks, you're still paying taxes on them, period. Yep. yep. All right, just because my CPA isn't communicating with me regularly doesn't mean he's not doing my taxes correctly, Right. There's insert in the or just because world. my CPA or my financial advisor or my attorney or my other professional service provider. Yeah. Yeah. Just because they didn't call me back within 20 minutes. Right. Just because my girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other didn't call me back right away. Yeah. Doesn't mean they don't love me. Right. <laughs> so it's all cross cross uh, applications. Uh, just because I like this one because this catches it all. Uh, just because anything with Murphy's law. Right? Just because I sold my portfolio yesterday doesn't mean the market's going to go up tomorrow. Right? We hear that a lot. Right? Everybody's got. Uh, I had somebody tell me they were first getting involved in investing, and unfortunately, it was this was two thousand two, mm-hmm. and and he said, you know, Bill, I, I tried investing before, and uh, I lost like twenty five percent. And I'm looking at him, and I'm doing the math, I'm looking at his age, and I'm like, was it 1994 in the summer? He's like, yeah, how'd you know? I was like, well, because that's the only time in the past 10 years you could have lost money, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. I said, so what did you do, right? And it, it, this is where the rubber meets the road with just because. Well, he thought he got in, investing's bad because he had a bad experience out of the gate. Right. He missed the greatest bull market in history because yeah. of that isolated moment where it was just an anomaly of the investment world. Mm-hmm. 
All right. How about uh, just because it's a common one and uh, just because I'm getting a tax return doesn't mean I made money or got away with paying less, less taxes. In fact, this one is kind of a contrarian just because. Yeah, th- most this of the one time, is the, the one that probably bothers me the most that people celebrate getting tax returns. I think celebrating tax returns is quite honestly like the silliest thing in the world. If you're getting tax returns, it means you gave the government too much money last year. And people base their the success of their their tax situation based upon how much money they've either gotten back and or oh was it you know relative to previous years you know hey i got more money back this year than last year so like that doesn't mean anything (laughs) like you know it's so you could could have made a lot less money yeah but it's just so out of context that uh it just doesn't you know it's not a good measuring stick for how well you did from a, a tax perspective and, you know, trying to teach people about, it's funny, we're talking a lot about taxes today because I think that that's probably one of the most misunderstood areas of financial planning. But I think the best measure of relative tax success is how much you paid in an effective rate. But even that is misleading because I think you really have to consider lifetime tax impact. And this is where I, I a lot of times I focus on the concept of not wasting a tax bracket. So, you know, the old CPA joke is a you know, tax bracket is a terrible thing to waste, meaning that if you are in the 24 percent tax bracket, but you've got a buffer of maybe twenty thousand dollars additional income until you you reach that next bracket. There's a lot of really cool tax planning opportunities that you have on the table. Things like Roth conversion, or maybe you know exercising some stock option, or something that's going to create more taxable income in that year, so that you can guarantee you're paying at a known rate of twenty four percent. And that way, thus eliminating future taxes where the tax rate may be higher or probably will be higher. So, you know, playing that game where sometimes paying more taxes today in like an in a absolute basis, I mean, I pay more dollars in tax today is is actually a good thing for your lifetime. And because tax code is so misunderstood, you get things like just because my, you know, I'm getting a tax return you know, means I, I made money or I got away with paying less taxes. Like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Well said. All right. Just because I don't have a lot of money doesn't mean I can't invest. There's a couple negatives in there. I'm not sure how I worded that, but, but you get the point, yeah, well, right? No. Like, what, do you, what do you mean by that? And let's, I want to dig into that one a little bit because I don't know if I agree it, with you or not. I, I, I think it's, it's quite common to hear, right? Like, hey, I don't have... I don't have a lot of money, so I can't invest, right? I don't have enough money to invest. You know, if you if you don't have, what is, I, don't, I don't know, what, what's a minimum trade on E-Trade now? I think you can open an account with $0, right? Like for sure. An online brokerage, you can buy yourself an index fund, 25 bucks, right? And if that's, you know, if that's a lot of money, yeah, then that's something to save for, right? But you can, if, if you have $25, you can start to invest. Yes. But so I'm going to go back to a, you know, post I wrote on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago. It was titled, you know, the best response you can get from your financial advisor is it depends. So, it, it, you know, a lot of money means 
different things to, to different people. A lot of money may be $100, a lot of money may be $1,000, a lot of money may be a million dollars, depending on who you ask, you know, that question of what is a lot of money to you. And I think what we're talking about is, you know, people who we encounter who say, I don't, I don't have enough money to, to invest. And that, that dollar amount may be a hundred or a thousand dollars or $500 or, or whatever the, the dollar amount is. Yes, you are right. There are a variety of options where you can, you can buy, you can open a Robinhood account and buy a fractional share of a stock for a dollar or $2, right? There, there are so many access points, right? In, in this age of the democratization of investing, anybody can invest with any dollar amount practically. Now, with that being said, it depends, right? Should the 25 year old who's got his first job, uh, who's renting, you know, an apartment, you know, no debt, no student loans, no credit cards, can, you know, doesn't make a ton of money, can really only afford to invest 25, you know, dollars a month. Should they invest $25 a month? Absolutely. That's a great decision. Should the, the 29 year old who's, you know, who's got $40,000 in student let, debt, a car note, you know, student, uh, credit cards, you know, who makes significantly more money and their budget you know, maybe has an extra $500 a month, should, should they be investing? I, I think they should be paying off debt, right? Like it, it depends, right? You got to take a look at like somebody's financial situation, decide, well, what is a lot of money? And there are steps to building, you know, a sound financial plan, right? Having emergency cash, right? Make sure you're paying down debt in, in the right areas, you know, investing for your future in the right type of accounts, tax deferred accounts and, and, and whatnot. So uh, I, I think that's a, it depends sort of, sort of situation in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Just because you have a lot of debt doesn't mean that you can't get out of it. Right? right. Maybe your $25 is better spent paying off the debt, like you said. Right? Mm -hmm. I like this one. Just because I look at my portfolio every morning at market open and don't take my eye off it until the market closes doesn't mean I'm an expert trader. Right. We hear this a lot. Right. So we, we, we hear it a lot. Hey, my, uh, you know, my, my grandfather wakes up every morning since 1920 at 6 a.m. and watches the market. He's a really, he's a really good investor. You look at the portfolio and you go, ah, eh, okay. Yeah. We'll leave yeah, that one there. All right. So I, I have a very real example of that. And there was a time where the thinking was the amount of activity you did on your, your portfolio. So how many trades you did and how much, you know, how much buying and selling and I'm watching the market at the open. I'm reading all these, you know, reports and analytics and so on and so forth somehow translated to whether it's expertise or performance, you know, somehow that was a better, right? The more active you are, the more involved you are, the, the better, right results you could get, which we now know to be quite untrue. And I've got a real example where I, I looked at a you know portfolio of a real investor and watches the market very closely and watches it every morning as it opens. And we just took a look at the last five years and compared the results of that portfolio to the S&P 500. And what do you think did better? <laughs> just, just good old, you know, SPY or VOO or any, you know, any yeah. random S&P 500, you know, low cost or no cost index fund did better because putting money in the market 
right? Making sure it's adjusted for your risk and not tinkering generally breeds the best results. It is very, very rare that active management and trading is going to outperform the general market. Very rare. And it definitely doesn't mean that you're an expert. Right? Yeah. Sometimes a, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing too, right? So just because my investment has a long time frame doesn't mean I have to like the downs. I like this one because this is, um, this is kind of the overarching theme that we're trying to get across. People, give yourself a break. Get better, right? Listen, <laughs> listen to us more and do your own research, of course. But, you know, look, if you've got a long time frame, like you said, right? 75% of the time it's going to be up. That other 25% it's going to be down. Expect that. And if you expect it and know it's coming, it makes it a little bit more palpable. Just because I heard somebody else made money in an investment doesn't mean that everybody that invested in that will make money. This is the quintessential. We talked about FOMO before. We talked about you know crypto. We talked about... The, the one person you hear that made a billion dollars yesterday, they don't tell you about the billion people that lost a thousand dollars yesterday, right? And I, I think in today's fast-paced instant gratification world, this is one that permeates investing uh, our social circles and, and everything. Hey, I saw somebody else that made money in that investment. I'm going to get in there and do it too. Yeah, and, or... Or another great one is just just because everybody did make money in something and I didn't doesn't mean that I missed an opportunity or won't have my chance to grow and build wealth as well. I think that whole FOMO idea and I, I missed out on something uh, I should have, I could have, you know, what if I did? It, it, it's one of the, the most detrimental mindsets for an investor to have. We can't you know, we can certainly learn from history. We want to study and understand and, and extrapolate really sound principles. But all you can control is the decisions you're making today and how you're planning and aligning that with your future. Absolutely. All right. And now here's one from the book that I think sums up the whole investment theme we're talking about with the just because theory. Just because they say it so doesn't mean it's happened to me. Now, in, in the book, there was a picture of uh, these four girls and three of them were dressing like princesses, princesses and one was dressing as like uh, a Robin Hood character. I'm not sure I understand it exactly, but relating to investing, the pandemic affluence, right? We saw a lot of people that made money in the pandemic. A lot of people were unemployed. A lot of people were you know out of work uh, and experiencing financial difficulties, but- just because they were doesn't mean that you were, right? Market ups, just because everybody's making money in the market, maybe you're invested in your energy sec uh, sector when the healthcare sector is doing uh, the knockout performance, right? The big one, I think, and this goes back to the tax returns that we were talking about, just because um, the tax law changes, the 2017 tax reform, this is what I want to talk about. Best example, Four out of seven people in benefited from that 2017 tax reform. Mm -hmm. No, no, I'm sorry. It was it was five out. It was five <laughs> out of seven benefited. <laughs> five out of seven benefited, but only two out of those seven thought they did. Believe 
believed it. Yeah. Believed it. Now, look, dude, there's numbers, right? Like, you can show your numbers on a page. Like, hey, this is how much you made last year. This is your effective tax rate. This is how much, you know, look at your tax return if that's the way you want to gauge it, right? But but this is um, this is a, a great example of a groupthink. And look, at the end of the day, this is what we're talking about. Be yourself. Be an individual. Think for yourself. Just because someone else told you that this is their experience doesn't mean it has to be your experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good one, and um, it's so funny how much of this comes back in in the finance world to the understanding of taxes. I, I couldn't emphasize enough that this is probably the number one area where people need to dig deeper and engage with professional help. And I'm not just talking about your your local CPA or your tax preparer, because here's the reality. And, and we love our tax partners, our, our CPAs and um, all the good folks who are doing the work literally right now. We're recording this on, you know, October 11th and there's a big tax deadline coming up here. So, the, you know, tax tax preparers and tax professionals are constantly meeting deadlines and are very, very busy. But being able to take a step back to understand your own personal tax situation. If you're a business owner, if you're an independent contractor, if you're married, if you have children, if you're a homeowner, if you're, you know, if you're taking care of parents or other loved ones, if, um, you know, if you have a child with, uh, with disabilities, all of these things that are so unique to all of our own families and individual situations have an impact on taxes and some apply to you and some don't, you know, if you're an investor, if you have a 401k, if you, you know, if your employer offers you certain types of benefits, if you work for a startup, it's like, there's so many unique situations that no two tax returns and no two tax situations are ever going to look identical. And understanding the baseline, it it is, to me, it's one of the most important areas for, for people to have a grasp on and to have a partner to help them with uh, understanding their tax situation. And it, it'll eliminate oh, probably 50% of this list that, that we made for today's episode. Um, and you're feeling confident about the decisions you're making with your money. Yeah, I couldn't encourage people to, to engage in that more. I love that. I love that as a, as a final. Let's wrap it up here, folks. Matthew said in his talk that he woke up and, and wrote down about 200 of these just because uh, only 40 of them made it to the book uh, because, of course, it's a kid's book. So he had to, I guess, censor some of them out of there, right? But the lesson here is that we need to challenge ourselves the way we think about our lives and our investments and think about the things we have heard from so-called experts, right? Just because Jim Cramer said it doesn't mean it's true. And we at least know that, but let it translate to all of your sources of information. And before assuming the worst in your investing, check your facts. Don't let a one-time happenstance make you think that just because that happened once, it will happen every time. And for Dollars and Sensibilities, please like, comment, subscribe. I am Dollar Bill McBride. Money Marks. See you next time. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Sensibility podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can join us for each and every episode. Follow us on social media at WIS Advisors and be sure to check out our website at wisadvisors.com. 
Tune in for the next step on the bridge between dollars and the mind of the sensible investor. Thanks for listening. Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are investment advisor representatives and registered representatives with Western International Securities Incorporated. All the opinions expressed by Andrew, Bill and all podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Western International Securities. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Western International Securities may maintain positions discussed in this podcast.